Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Modelo Especial, the new number one beer in the U.S. It's time for JT The Brick. The business I chose, that is real. That is bleeping real right now. Why am I bringing this up? It's what I do best. I screw up five times a day before breakfast. I'm not going crazy on this one. I'm not. I'm not going crazy. Does anybody listen to me? We talk balls on sports radio. JT The Brick. I don't have notes. I'm lying. I just, it's off the top of my head. The whole radio show's off the top of my head. I don't have a three-hour pre-show meeting like those other guys where the interns write the show. It's all off the top of my head. We make memories on this show for the Raider Nation. Jump on with us. Do your job. Win these games. Let's be up 10 points in the fourth quarter. Let's go in and shock the world. We are not the official show of the practice squad. I want to talk about the starters and the impact guys. We're going to put this team on the map. If this is too hardcore for you, turn the channel. Don't embarrass Bobby. Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. No half-ass effort. I bring passion and energy for every second I'm on the radio. And now, it's a tweet. Don't take it too seriously. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two brought to you by Modelo. Enjoy specials of Modelo Especial all over town, the number one selling beer now in America. How great is that? And a long-term proud partner of our show, the fighting spirit of Modelo. I reward myself with a bucket of Modelo's on Friday. I'll do that. Hey, quick addition to the show tomorrow, Jim Lampley. Pound for pound, the greatest boxing play-by-play voice. Canelo is fighting this weekend. I will be in attendance for the Canelo fight, and I'm looking forward to that. So we'll have Jim Lampley on tomorrow. I haven't talked to Jim in probably six, seven, eight years, and he used to be a regular during boxing. Uh, he moved out. There was you know, the movement of boxing to the zone and some of the other streaming partners, and now he's involved with this fight. So Jim Lampley will check in tomorrow which I'm excited to talk to him. Also this hour, my conversation with Rich Gannon last night. Rich was a guest on my Mad Dog Sports Radio show. We touched on the Raiders and the call for the, I thought the call, I didn't agree with it at the time, but Rich and I respected it. We talked about what happened going for three instead of the touchdown and the Raiders lost to Pittsburgh. You'll hear that coming up. And then we have Levi Edwards inside the building. Here at the bottom of the hour. Now, what happens at 1 o'clock Pacific time, every week they pump out Raiders Roundtable, which is the podcast that gets a really nice download. A lot of people listen to. I'm proud to be a part of it. You can find that at the Raiders social media. It's all over the place. It was Lincoln Kennedy, myself, and Q Myers, and we dove into the game. And I thought we were real honest about it. We had differing opinions, and we got after it pretty good. Matter of fact, I love it because we'll talk to... Lincoln tomorrow, or at some point, maybe Thursday, I'll play the Lincoln portion of Raiders Roundtable. Uh, now the Raiders also are going through uh, press conferences as we speak. Uh, today it was Patrick Graham. If we look at some of the other ones, Mick Lombardi, who usually speak on this day. If there's still anything you want to address on the Raiders' loss to Pittsburgh, feel great about it. Go ahead and do it and sound off. Most people just want to talk about the decision to kick a field goal and not go for the touchdown on fourth down when the Raiders got the ball back. Uh, I agree that you should have went for the touchdown. The team should have because they would have had a better chance that close to the end zone of executing a fourth down with Devontae Adams. I understand that coach wanted the points. He thought that the defense would do this, and he showed a lot of confidence in the defense. He did. So for Josh McDaniels, I don't know if he'll do it again, but if I was Josh McDaniels, I'd put Patrick Graham and I'd pull him aside and go, I gave it to your defense. I showed you I have confidence in him. I wanted them to get the stop. They didn't get the stop. But he had confidence in him doing it. 
So how will that affect the team going forward? What does the team need to do to beat the Chargers? Well, we don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to clear concussion protocol. I hope he does. I'd like to be really optimistic on this topic going forward for a day. Uh, For a day, I'd like to be optimistic going forward because he hasn't been ruled out. Now, I don't recall where he was concussed in the game. Mostly no one else can. So it wasn't like he got blown up and his helmet went backwards and cracked on the grass there and he couldn't get up and they had to carry him off the field. But you can get concussed at a time when no one was aware of it and we care more about the status and safety of Jimmy Garoppolo than him playing a game. So if he can't clear a protocol, they're going to have to go with Aiden O'Connell or Brian Hoyer. I'd go with Aiden O'Connell. They don't have film on him. I saw him play in the preseason. I think he could get the ball out quick. I think he can make really good throws. Will he make mistakes? Hell yeah, he will. Do you want to break him out against Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack and Derwin James? Why not? They, they, they drafted him for a reason, to play football. If he gets called on to play football, I have more confidence in him than Hoyer. If Hoyer ends up playing, if Jimmy can't go, then that seems like it's going to be a Josh Jacobs game, heavy Josh Jacobs game, where they're just going to try to pound the rock and shorten the game and have an opportunity to make a few plays on defense to win it. Good luck trying to do that against Justin Herbert. That'll be hard to do. Joe Burrow played last night. The Bengals held the Rams to 1-11 on third down. The defense really saved the game, and I thought that was a risky move playing Joe Burrow. Playing Joe Burrow last night was very risky. His calf injury is serious. He could not step into his throws, and they won. They were going to go 0-3. Minnesota's 0-3. Chargers could have been 0-3. They charged it out again, but they ended up winning that game. I don't want to see the Raiders go 1-3. I don't. I had the Raiders at the start of the season going 3-3. Three and three. I figured they'd lose to either the Chargers or Buffalo. I thought they'd beat Pittsburgh and Denver. They lost to Pittsburgh. Now they have to beat the Chargers. If they get to 2-2, two and two, I should really have a parade. I should. I should have a parade down the strip with all the construction that's going on for F1. Maybe I can petition the mayor to get. let me have a parade to calm the Raider fans down if they go 2-2. Two and two. It'll feel like a party around here compared to how some fans feel. And if they drop to one and three, which I don't think is the case, but if they do, the only chance they have all season to win three in a row would be the next three because you'd have two home games against Green Bay on Monday night, and they're going to travel well. Then you get the Patriots, who the Raiders beat last year, and then you get maybe the worst team in football in Chicago, the Bears. That's where you have to save the season and turn it around. If you beat the Chargers, then you're talking about a team that could go over 500 by a game or two, and things would be better here. But I'm not making guarantees with the schedule coming up. i got to see the Raiders play a good game. A complete football game with a couple of turnovers in their favor and don't turn the ball and play better. If they can do that, then I think we could have a lot of positive things to talk about. But I understand why it's not positive today. Jorge in San Jose, you're up next on the flagship of the Raiders. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Thanks for taking my call for the second day in a row. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I just... I wanted to touch on a couple of things. The, the last one I'll say for uh, listening to you live when mm-hmm. you did talk about the McGloin train up here in the mm-hmm. Bay, but first about uh, the Pittsburgh game and, and Josh McDaniels, you know, I really, mm-hmm. I really uh, was excited when he uh, went for it on fourth down early in the mm-hmm. game and that led to the touchdown. And mm-hmm. I thought that that being aggressive was almost like a shift in mentality where they were able to be confident in their offense and the quick release from Jimmy G was being optimized and that's why he was brought in and you can see it. And so 
the part that I'm just curious is the inconsistency at the situational part of the game mm-hmm. where you have to make these critical decisions. And so I really like to hear more about it. If, if the coach is going to talk to you or anyone else about just what the process is with these fourth downs that are successful during the mm-hmm. early part of the game. But when you get to the situation, uh, well, well, you know that you don't have a lot of room, you know, you don't have a lot of room when you're up against the red zone there. For Devontae to score on that one touchdown on fourth down where he got it behind everybody, no one thought the Raiders were going to throw a bomb on a blitz. So that's a very – I'm not going to ask that question. I know the answer to it. But I I really think the – I think the ability, which we both agree, the ability to get aggressive, more aggressive in the red zone with more formations and more looks is something I talked about last year, and I find myself talking about it again this year. And I'm optimistic that they can fix that. I think the strength of Josh McDaniels is him as a play caller. Uh, Not every play is going to be perfect. And I think the strength of Devontae, Jacoby, Trey Tucker, Hunter are red zone receptions, and we're not seeing it. And it's very frustrating to you and me and everybody else. I I agree, and and take advantage of the quick release. I know that there's a lot of space uh, on outside of the end zone, but when you're in the end zone, Jimmy G can get it off. You know that he can throw it. and so I just wanted to quickly say uh, I appreciated you when you were up here in the Bay Area. Thank you. And I remember when we were all devastated, obviously, with Derek Carr, and everybody was, was just given up, and that was just the low-hanging fruit to talk about, that it was done. Mm-hmm. And I just I know that you uh, were professional about it, and I really respect yeah, that. I appreciate that. time, really, you talking about that. And so this time, obviously, I hope mm-hmm. Jimmy G gets better with his concussion. Uh, but – if, uh, if there's got to be an AOC train or AOC Express, you know, I'm willing to hop on. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Thank you. And I was talking to a buddy about it today. I had the best show in the Bay Area when I was on that channel in the Bay Area. The best show. Because I've been doing this longer and better than the majority of anybody in Bay Area radio. Other than a few gentlemen that retired. So people were pissed off that I, ha- well, I was hired to talk Raiders and they wanted me to talk Giants baseball. Screw all of them. The content and guests were better than everybody. And I didn't have three or four co-hosts. And I did it from here. I did it from here, and I stayed at the W, and I got paid more than most of the people for that. So I understand why people were bitter, jealous, didn't understand. But if you heard the content of the show, like you hear the content of the show, I'll put it pound for pound next to anybody who does what I do. And there are people that get frustrated because they want to hear something different or they want to pretend something different happened back then. I got hired to talk Raiders football. Okay, I've been on the radio at KNBR, KNBR 1050, 95-7 the game at the highest level. I didn't get let go because I didn't do good shows. We didn't have good content. I got let go because there was horrible management there that changed out and hated the Raiders. Hated the Raiders because they thought the Raiders were going to move and embarrass them. Had nothing to do with me. Had nothing to do with our listeners. Had nothing to do with our content. So, again, we're good. Every radio show I've ever done in my life, I feel good about. If other people are a little pissed on social media because they don't feel like it's catering to them, I get that. I get that. I do the show for the masses, not just one person here. And now when it gets a little dicey, dicey as I'm talking to Danny week three, what's it dicey about? Well, you know, the, the last game we should have won. I was there, my wife, my son. I wanted to win the game. I was there in the Twitch lounge, the on the field with the Bolitnikovs, on the field with the Stablers, up there with 872 laborers, Tommy White, going to all my suite visits where we have clients here on the, trying to do everything to be positive about it. I thought the Raiders should have won the game. I thought they were the better team. And I'm a little bit chippy this week 
because we, here in the Raider Nation, lost to Kenny Pickett. We lost to Kenny Pickett, and Kenny Pickett's beat us twice. I don't like that. They had an offensive coordinator on that team that was getting booed out of his own building in Pittsburgh, and he came into Las Vegas and won the game. I thought that was a blown opportunity to win a game this year. I don't know how many games they're going to win. Some say six, some say eight, some say 10 or 11. I don't know where you're at in the Raiders, but that's one we're going to want back. That's one either next week, three weeks from now, or at the end of the year, we're going to go back and say, how the hell did we lose that game to Kenny Pickett? I don't know. Thought we were the better team. We didn't execute. We didn't play well. We did not play well. The team did not play well. That's got to change. Play better football. Everyone do their job better. And I think the Raiders will have more opportunities to win games. David, you're up next on the Raider flagship. Hello, what's happening? David is gone. We'll get out to a Raider Dave who's up next. Dave, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man, I appreciate the opportunity mm-hmm. to go ahead and talk to you. I want to tell you that I agree with you about the decisions that were made with that. And if I could just take five seconds, I want to let you know that I lost my mentor, the guy that ended up hiring me in this business 32 years ago. He is a fellow Lotus employee with me and you as far as Tucson, Arizona goes. Somebody 65 years in the business. I know you respect that, and so I appreciate it. Sorry to hear that. Uh, Prayers to the family. McDaniels trusted the defense more than the offense. You started off the hour and you talked about it. and And if he trusted the defense this much, then why didn't he go ahead and try to get that fourth and four? Because leading the defense down there or leaving the defense down there on the six, seven, or eight-yard line, those guys would have been so lathered up. The very next play or two or three could have been an opportunity to go ahead and score. So I really don't understand why, if you trust the defense enough to get the ball back with three minutes to go after the first attempt of the field goal, or even with the time advantage gone pretty much and doing it later with the other field goal, I just don't understand why that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if the fact that, you're trying to punt out of your end zone. Now you're trusting your special teams to go ahead and get a block. I mean, there's more opportunities to score there than just having, you know, Devontae in the end zone. And this brings me to one other point that I know you're going to appreciate and I know that we've argued about. At third and two, when the Pittsburgh Steelers finally got that first down, what sort of defense were we in? We had split safeties 14, year, 14 yards off the ball. Our corners were seven yards off the ball, and they run a, a nickel blitz. Are you kidding me? It's third and two. It's third and two. If they put it over the top, game's over anyway. I mean, what mm-hmm. on earth is kind of a defensive call is that? I don't get it. We've complained about Merrick being 27 yards off the ball. Well, why are we calling a defense at third and two where you're not stacking it? We had Spillane in the middle and another linebacker off to the side inside of, uh, of Max. Mm-hmm. But, man, you gotta, you got to bring the troops, man. This is the game. It's like getting split aces with two chips left on the table. You put one down, you get two aces, you split them. You split them. You put that other chip down, let's go. This is how you get aggressive. This is how you win in football. And I'll tell you what, my high school championship coach I played for, 333 games won. And I'll tell you, he always said, you play for the tie in overtime at home, you play for the win on the road. Man, I, here's where we got to get creative for, for the Chargers, and I'll just leave it with this. At some point, they have got to go ahead and do something different, do something creative. And I say go ahead and direct snap it to Josh Jacobs with Jacob on one side and a tight end on the other. They won't know which way they go, no quarterback on there. Do that at least two or three times through the game. You'll see the running game get busted open through that Charger defense.
Can't wait for this weekend, JT. Yeah, man, you sound pretty fired up. Raider Dave checking in. Thanks for the call. Yeah, the defensive call at the end of the game to see a player that wide open with the game on the line was mind-blowing also, but I think that's the problem with this team. They don't have elite players at the linebacker position that could cover the pass. They haven't been getting much of a pass rush. They have not, and hopefully that turns around soon. And Marcus Peters dropped the pick six. Epps. Hasn't made an interception in how long? Didn't make one last year. I'm optimistic that Epps is a really good player. And Trayvon Merrig, you know, I read pro football focus. I look at certain games. As Dave said, he can hear the show. He can quote me. I think that Merrig doesn't make any plays. He doesn't make any elite plays. And I would go with Isaiah Palomal. I would switch it up. I would switch it up. I would make, I wouldn't bench Merrig, but I would get, Palomal in for some plays where the Raiders could use a disruptor who's a much better, not a better, a much better ball hawk in my opinion. I thought Trayvon Merrick was a ball hawk coming out of college. I did. I was wrong. I, he's not a ball hawk. He's a conservative, deep safety who doesn't play. When he has to come up in the box, he made a great tackle in Denver that secured it. He made a great tackle. I give him credit when credit's due. I just think he's a better athlete than he is a player. And I'd like to see his athletic prowess start to take over some games. I believe in a lot of guys on defense. I do. I think there's some good defensive players on this team. But if they don't get much of a push up front, it's really going to expose the linebackers, the safeties, and the cornerbacks. Carlos is up next. Thanks for calling, Carlos. What's happening? Hey, what's up, fellas? Thanks for having me, man. Um, I got two points. One of them is really quick. But mm-hmm. Ja'Cory and Bennett, man, he is getting absolutely uh, I have a strong feeling that offenses know to go straight at the kid mm-hmm. because if he's not, if he's not making, he, he's either getting a pass interference call or just getting absolutely torched uh, for big plays. Uh, that's one. And then two, Josh McDaniels, man, does not have his team ready to play football for the last eight weeks. He's carrying over from last season. He's his job and his sole responsibility as a head coach is to have his entire team ready to play football on Sunday. And that's clearly, clearly not happening over the last eight I thought it happened in Denver. I thought they played hard and they closed the game out on defense and on that final five-minute drive. I'll, I'll push back on that. I disagree with you. That The Denver game, Denver's not an elite team either of the Raiders. I thought they were ready to play and scheme that game properly and held them to limited points. I, I'll push back on that. I, I Hey, I, I like the pushback, but if you think about it with this team and this offense, man, there's no way we should be putting up 17, 18 points on a Denver team. Uh, we have over $100 million on that side of the ball. Uh, when it comes to head coaching, he's got to make sure that both special teams, defense, offensive, everybody's in tune. Um, but that, that's just my opinion, man. Ja'Cory Bennett getting absolutely torched, and Josh McDaniels, I feel like, just not having his team ready on Sundays. Thank you. Appreciate your opinion. You're right to have your opinion on anything you want. You're a fan. This is a station that's built for the fans. We're presented by Tequila Commissario. Wow, what a website. Go check out the website, tequilacommissario.com. Check out all their selections, all of their medals and awards, and they are a proud partner now on Raider Nation Radio. Known to create tequila connoisseurs, tequila commissario, expressions are defined as elegant, balanced, elevated, and distinguished. I have a bunch of it in my casa now, and it's really good. (laughs) Really good. My tequila buddies that come over and sip it, love it. On the rocks, pure. The Añejo is fantastic. Tequila Commissario, 
We thank their partnership here on the flagship of the Raiders. When we come back, my quick conversation with Rich Gannon. Had it last night. It's all fresh about what happened, what's going on around the league, and what he thought about the Raiders going for the field goal instead of the points. Rich has got a strong opinion, and he called this team. And remember, Rich called all those Aiden O'Connell games. We'll wait to see what happens tomorrow when the Raiders come back from their off day. Will Jimmy Garoppolo participate in practice? I hope he does. I hope Jimmy is getting through concussion protocol. I'd much rather see him play. And if not, we'll pivot and we'll start previewing the Chargers. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. Brought to you by Local 872, your workforce solution. His whole career, friends with him, a colleague, someone I really respect, the former MVP, Rich Gannon joins us from NFL Radio. And Rich, late night for me, coming off Sunday night football. How'd you see the decision by Josh McDaniels to kick the field goal down eight, hoping to get the ball back? You know, I didn't love it, JT. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think down eight. I mean, you know, if you go for it and score, you still have to get the two-point conversion, which I would have chosen to go for it, you know, because, look, if you don't get it there, you still have the opportunity – you know, to get the ball back with three timeouts um, and and uh, two minute warning, and and you know you know worse off. So I, I would have gone for it in that situation. Uh, you know, some of these coaches are looking at analytics, uh, and and uh, there's a lot of factors other than just analytics, though. I mean, it's it's the flow of the game, it's how your defense is playing, you know, how your offensive line's holding up. And I just thought, you know, with with the struggles that the offensive line was having, particularly pr- protecting the edges. You don't know if you're going to get back down in that part of the field. So, you know, I, I would have taken I would have taken the opportunity to uh, go for the touchdown there and the two point conversion. Rich is back to earth for the Dallas Cowboys after a performance like that. I think losing Diggs earlier in the week in a practice for the year probably took a lot out of that team because many people either thought they're a Super Bowl favorite or a deep playoff team. Was that more of an emotional loss? Or are you just surprised Arizona won the battle in the trenches and pushed the Cowboys around a bit? Well, look, Arizona's better than people give them credit for, JT. Look what happened, you know, the, the first two weeks. I mean, they had an opportunity in week one uh, against Washington. They took had the Giants, uh, you know, they had the Giants. They, they should have won that game. And, of course, they, they just fall apart late in the second half. And so, you know, I think the, the Cardinals are a little bit better than people give them credit for. And, uh, you know, Joshua Dobbs has been a, a terrific story. But, you know, you, you could say what you want about the injury of Trayvon Diggs. The reality is, is they weren't ready to play. I mean, their defense got gutted. They gave up over 200 yards on the ground. They had a difficult time getting off the field on third down. The offense was, was awful in the red zone. And, unfortunately, they threw an interception late in the game, uh, you know, where they have a chance. But I, I think, overall, it was just one of their worst performances of the season. I think, you know, reading the press clippings, you know, I, I always say one of the hardest things in, in football is the ability to handle success. And the Cowboys, once again, uh, you know, got off to a good start this season, starting to maybe get a little too comfortable. And that, that maybe is a good reset button for them going on the road to Arizona and getting embarrassed. Rich Gannon is our guest. I don't know if you probably heard Joe Namath's comments in New I York. Did. He ev- he eviscerated, I mean eviscerated, Zach Wilson. And I think of media, Rich, and you're in the media at a high level. Joe Namath was a movie star, right? He was in the media and a movie star. When he speaks, he moves the needle still. What do you do at this point if you're Robert Sala, if the greatest player of all time is taking out your quarterback to the woodshed? 
Yeah, it's tough because it wasn't just the players. You know, he, he also talked about the head coach. He said the head coach has got to go, and, and even the offensive coordinator, you know, is not doing a good job. So he was very critical. I know Joel, that on my show, I know you have as well. And, uh, you know, he, he usually, uh, you know, he's a big, obviously, he's a huge, he's a, he's a legend, uh, obviously a Hall of Famer. And, and when he says something, it does move the needle. But, He's a big, you know, he's a big, he's a big fan of the team. He wants to see him do well. I think he's frustrated. He's getting older, and um, you know, it's unfortunate that you know some of those comments uh, came out. I think maybe he might regret some of them when he, you know, hears all the, the all the, yeah. the, the, you know, all the, the, the shock waves maybe that, that have happened. But look, here's the, the bottom line. You know, the, the Jets can't push the panic button. The, the quarterback is is a liability right now, but what, what's the alternative? Is there somebody on the street that's better than him right now? Is there somebody on the roster that's better than him right now? They, they've got to figure it out. You know, they've got to, they've got to figure out what he does well, what he doesn't do well. I, I think they're, I think the kids lost his confidence. I think the team's lost confidence in him. I think the coaching staff is, is, you know, they're, they're trying to protect him with the play calling and, and you can't, you can't coach that way. You can't play that way. They got, they got to cut it loose and see what the kid can do and live with the, live with the mistakes. But, you know, um, this is a this is a team that's going in the wrong direction. Rich Gannon is our guest. Speaking of that, Sam Howell, wrong direction, 170 yards, four interceptions, no touchdown, a 41.5 rating. Commanders had a little bit of juice, 2-0. and We know how good, Rich, Buffalo's front is and their linebackers and pass coverage here. What do they need to do to get the Commanders going again? I'm not a big believer in Sam Howell, but he was playing well those first couple of games. Well, real quickly, I thought the Bills' offensive line really played well. You look at mm-hmm. that, that Washington defensive line, J.T. is littered with first-round picks, and, and they really neutralized that, that defensive front. And then when they didn't, Josh Allen was able to make a miss and run for a couple first downs or extend plays. So, you know, they took advantage of a lot of turnovers and great field position. I thought Sam Howell took a step backwards. He played pretty well the first two weeks, protected the football, put his team in a position to have a chance to win. Didn't do that on Sunday. Four interceptions, and just where they showed up. The first one on third and nineteen, trying to you know fit one in over a dropping linebacker between the linebacker and safety. You know another ball late to the flat to the left, where you know it just doesn't see the defender. Just you know, just made some poor decisions. You have to learn that sometimes the best decision, the only decision, is to throw the ball away and live for another down. And unfortunately, uh, he took a step back. Just he really, it's it, his inexperience really showed uh, in that one, and and uh, he's got to learn to protect the football, or we'll find somebody else. Rich, I know you know people on Sean Payton's staff, and when I mean, you look at Sean Payton and the success he had in this league, when he took this job, I just think he liked the ownership, the size of the ownership, the control he has in the organization that he would not have had in Los Angeles with the Chargers with that ownership. Now he's got to figure out what's going on with Russell Wilson. As an MVP, you look at the tape. What do you see with the Broncos? How ugly is this with the head coach and the quarterback being on the same page? You know, it's as bad a game tape as you'll watch, especially wow. on the defensive side of the ball. And I think, you know, they gave up 70 points. They gave, gave up over 700 yards, JT, of offense. And, and it could have been worse, honestly. It could have been 800 yards. It could have been 80 points. It, it was really that bad. I, I think the defense, you know, the effort wasn't there. The finish, they didn't tackle well. They didn't play well in space. Uh, the communication breakdowns, they got they got knocked off the ball in the running game. It, it was just, it was awful. It was, it was as bad as I've seen in a long, long time. And I'm sure Sean Payton was embarrassed. And offensively, it's not a whole lot better. I think the quarterback, 
you know, I think a lot of people felt like, well, Sean, Sean Payton would fix the quarterback. Just getting Sean Payton in there, getting an experienced play caller, the kid would play better. But so far, it's been very mediocre at best. And, you know, he doesn't move like he once did. You know, I don't think he has mm-hmm. the speed to, uh, to avoid the rush and to make plays with his legs outside the pocket. He's reluctant to do that. I'm very curious to see if this kid can get it turned around and if the Broncos can get it turned around because that was about as bad as we've seen in a long, long time. Rich, last one, the Chargers lose Mike Williams' season. And there's so many injuries out there. League started four plays in with Aaron Rodgers going down. This is a big one for the Chargers because Justin Herbert doesn't have elite offensive weapons when one goes down. Keenan Allen had a monster game yesterday, and now Mike Williams goes down. What do they do? they got a rookie receiver who's got some upside, but this is a big loss for Herbert. Maybe not over the next couple of weeks, but if this is going to be a playoff team that wants to go deep in the postseason. You know, JT, it seems like every year they lose Keenan Allen for five or six games or Mike Williams for five or six games. It just seems like it's it's rare that both of them on the field at the same time. It's unfortunate because you know, prior to the injury, I think he had seven catches for over 100 yards. And, of course, Keenan Allen set franchise records and receptions and yards yesterday. The quarterback was phenomenal. He threw for 400 yards. The only thing holding them back, obviously, are the injuries, but the head coach. The decision-making of Brandon Staley drives me crazy. I mean, in that situation, inside two minutes on fourth, fourth down, fourth and one from your own 24-yard line, up by four to go for it, I mean, it's just it's coaching malpractice. He's – Honestly, he's he's their biggest liability right now. The defense isn't very good. Uh, of course, he's he's he, that's a big part of what he does. He calls the defenses, but man, the decision making he's he's overly aggressive to the point that he puts that team in, in jeopardy each and every week. I agree. Thank you, Rich. Appreciate you stepping up. Thanks you're for coming you're on, the best, with me. brother. Thanks, pal. Rich Gannon, how great is that? So, Rich Gannon had a lot to say. He, he looking at Staley, the coach of the Chargers. And what he does on fourth down is not something I look forward to. I don't want teams going for it on fourth down against the Raiders. I want them punting. I don't want them to go for it and extend the Raider defense. This guy does it. And he did it in Minnesota and they bailed him out. So get ready. They're going to try, they are going to try to put the Raiders out in this game. As a coaching staff, the quarterback, they're coming. And the Raiders' energy better be at a high level. I'll have something to say on that before we wrap up the show. Levi Edwards joins us every other Tuesday from the digital team. His content is fantastic, and he's always in front of the coach at the podium there asking questions. And, Levi, that was a tough one. I saw you in the parking lot. Me and you were two of the last guys out of there, and that was a gut punch for a lot of Raider fans who expected after the fourth down touchdown and then Marcus Peters drops the ball. Felt like the Raiders lost a lot of momentum on that one play. How'd you see it? Yeah, definitely a lot of momentum. Uh, I mean, it was just a, a weird game because it was the Raiders had all of the momentum and then it shifted. And then it felt like the Steelers had the upper hand for about 40 minutes of the game after that. And then uh, the, the Raiders were just able to kind of get a little gritty towards the end. They were able to make a couple of plays. Uh, they had all momentum swinging their way as they were kind of going down and back into the red zone to score again. However, they settled for the field goal. And I know Josh McDaniels has been taking a lot of flack for the decision, but I'm also kind of on board with the, you know, with the 50-50, where it's like, yes, you go for it on that down. You try to get the touchdown and the two-point conversion to try to, try to tie the game. But also uh, with the way that the, the Raiders' defense have been playing in the fourth quarter, I can understand why he would have the confidence to get a third and out on Pickett and, and mm-hmm. Najee Harris, the way that they were stopping the run. 
Uh, Kenny Pickett had an up-and-down game. He made a couple of good plays. So I can understand why he made the decision he did. However, uh, you know, what if? You know, what if they go for it on that fourth down, they get the touchdown, two-point? You know, you never know. Things are so hypothetical. Yeah, they are hypothetical as we look at this. And I just it's a gut punch because I thought the Raiders were a better team. Let's start off on the defensive side of the ball. Peters had the drop, and again, he won't do that much again. Overall, how did you see the improvement, or was there any improvement up front helping Max Crosby out with the pass rush? I definitely did see improvement. I knew that, just statistically speaking, nothing against the Steelers' offense. Uh, the Steelers, you know, they won fair and square. They were the better team on Sunday. But going into the game, I did believe that the Steelers' offensive line would be probably the lesser of the three that they they played so far within the Raiders defensive line. So I knew that they would have a little bit more success against them. However, I did also notice a bit more rotation in the interior defensive mm-hmm. line. And that's what I loved watching the game is uh, you saw a lot more John Jenkins. You saw more Adam Butler. You got them in the mix along with Bilal and Tillery and Byron Young. So you got to see a lot of different people in that interior line really get after it. And I think that committee approach definitely seemed to be more successful. And then, obviously, Malcolm Kuntz is a guy who week by week by week is earning his reps. And when I say earning his reps, I mean, you know, Tyree Wilson is still coming along. He was sick last week, so you're still trying to bring him up. He's only been out on the field with the Raiders for about maybe, you know, a month and a half now following foot surgery. So Malcolm Kuntz is a guy who's been on this team for three years. He knows the system. And every time he's on the play, you just see the effort he plays with the speed he plays with, the physicality. I really like him a lot across from Max. And I think if you kind of continue to let him get in that rhythm, he could, you know, become even more of a productive player than what we've seen so far. That's very fascinating. Levi Edwards joins us. So Kuhn should be, you think, on the field a little bit more? I mean, he's a guy that, to me, he feels like an outside linebacker who could line up on the edge. I don't know how great he is at dropping into coverage, but you know the numbers. I looked at BFF. He's playing well. But Tyree Wilson, would that shorten his snaps or that can they move him around a little bit more? I want to see the best athletes out on the field who can chase down Justin Herbert coming up Sunday in Los Angeles. Absolutely. Uh, and that's what they're going to have to do because if you give Justin Herbert, he's got some legs. He can, uh, make some, he can make some runs, do some things with his legs as well. But if you leave Justin Herbert in the pocket uh, for longer than four seconds, then you know, you're cooked. I'm sorry. I've seen Justin Herbert play. This is about to be my, I believe, my fifth or sixth mm-hmm. time I've seen Justin Herbert play the Raiders since I've been covering this team. And if you give him time in the pocket, then I'm sorry. He's going to find. He's gonna make a play. Yeah, yeah. So the Raiders are going to have to get pressure. It's going to have to be Max Crosby getting after it. You're going to have to put the best, best athletes out there, exactly what you just said, JT. And they drafted Tyree as an edge guy, but they also have men- previously mentioned we can put him inside. He played inside Texas Tech. So you got to really – put people in the best position to succeed, whether it be Tyree or Malcolm Kuntz or whatever players up front. You have to get pressure on Justin Herbert this Sunday if you want to win this game. Levi Edwards from the digital team joins us. Offensive line, Lincoln Kennedy pointed it out on Raiders Roundtable this week. The interior, Van Roten, what they're trying to get out of the guards, and Andre James, it's not working. And I don't know what 
is going to happen here if it's going to be a switch that's flipped, or maybe they got to run Josh Moore on the outside and try to get some edge room for him so he could explode on the outside, maybe cut back across. I don't know, but the holes have not been there, and I think this is a very important Josh Jacobs game to keep Herbert on the sideline. He's got to have a breakout game soon, Levi. This would be a good time for it. Well, fortunately for the Raiders offense and Josh Jacobs, we say all these amazing things about Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense and how they've improved this season since they've got Kellen Moore. But when you look at the stats, when you look at the numbers, their Mm. defense has not been as successful. Yeah. Through three games this season, they have allowed 34, 27, and 24 points Mm -hmm. to opposing offenses. So that's, you know, more than 20, 20, more than 24 points a game they're allowing. So uh, it's one of those things where this has to be the game where you have to run the ball. You have to be ready for a shootout. Uh, whether it's Garoppolo, whether he clears concussion protocol, or it's Hoyer or O'Connell, you have to be prepared to put up points. And Josh Jacobs, I feel like, is a huge factor behind the Raiders being able to put up points. Despite whatever difficulties the interior offensive line has had so far this mm-hmm. season, you can attribute to a lot of things. You know, uh, Josh Jacobs being you know, put back into the system, you know, him trying to get those reps that he didn't get in training camp or in the preseason. Also, the offensive line, Van Roten being, you know, new to the line, Dylan Parham still kind of getting his groove, stuff like that. You know, you can you can attribute to a lot of different things, but, you know, there's no excuses when you're going up against the defense that's kind of already on the ropes as they are. You have to capitalize mm-hmm. on small things if you want to win a game like this. Yeah, absolutely. Outstanding, Levi. One of the best conversations we had with you. A lot of good stats, analytics, numbers there. And it's going to be big. So need this one because, look, I, I, I'm not going to put you on the spot with O'Connell Ahoya. I'd never do that. But if Jimmy G can't go, one of these guys is going to have to step up and play well. I don't think you can play, and, and you're sensing that, a conservative game against the Chargers. At some point, Herbert's going to get rolling, and whoever the quarterback is, including Jimmy, they're going to have to play a great game to win. Hopefully they can do that against the Chargers. They have no choice. They have yeah. no choice. Somebody's going to have to step up. Like it, no choice. Take care, Levi. See you in the building. Thank you so much, JT. I'll see you around. You got it. Levi Edwards, real good. So after the game, I finish up the post-game show, Modelo Cantina Club. I mean, they are moving a ton of trash. I mean, you know those bins? which There are people that line up to work. They come to work after the game. Great people at Allegiant Stadium working. So I'm walking out of there with my backpack, and um, I'm walking out to where I park. And I park in different spots here as a season ticket holder. My wife has a parking spot, and I have the media one. And I'm walking past the new In-N-Out Burger. You know, there's a new In-N-Out Burger out there. Packed. Packed. And I'm there an hour and a half after the game. There's no one there except In-N-Out Burger is packed. And they got a lot of outside room there. So I walk by it. I go to the media park, and Levi's there. Levi's a big guy. He's like a bodybuilder, big arms, shoulders. He's taking off his suit, coat, and he's getting ready. My car was parked next to him, and we talked for about 10 minutes. And we talked for about 10 minutes, and I was just I was feeling pretty pretty raw after the post-game show. And Levi was great, and we talked, and part of that conversation we used on this conversation. So it's nice to talk to people who go to games. And there were a lot of Steeler fans at that game. So before we come back and wrap up the show, I want a message that I want to give to everyone here about what I think needs to happen with this Charger game. We'll be on the pregame show with Eric Allen. Uh, We'll be doing that on Sunday on Compass Media Networks. I'm most pissed off about the fact that Jimmy G's in concussion protocol, 
Devontae was in concussion protocol quickly and came out of it. And Jacoby Myers lost a game in concussion protocol. These other teams are flying around hitting our guys. Some of them are late hits. Some of them are accidents, right? I don't encourage any injury. Don't want to see us concuss someone else on the Chargers. But I hope there's a lot of pride because in that building there's a term from Al Davis, pride and poise. I think the Raiders have good poise, and I know they have pride. They're expected to do that when they sign their contracts. I want to see this team understand the physicality of this series with the Chargers. I want to see this team fly around the way the Bills and the Steelers felt so damn comfortable flying around against the Raiders. Flying around from sideline to sideline, taking shots, dancing, Kansas City doing their little ring around the rosy thing that they did in our building. Too many people are getting comfortable. Too many people are looking around saying, man, they just whacked our guy. He's coming off the field. He's in protocol. And we're coming back there, and guys are not playing with that type of speed and violence. This team has got to become a tougher football team on defense. Max is tough. No doubt Malcolm Kuntz is a tough guy. The other teams have tougher guys the way I'm watching the game. Buffalo and the Steelers. Now, it could be because they have better players. Okay, they have better players. But Spillane and Diablo, Marcus Peters, Epps, Merrig, Jacorian Bennett, Tyree Wilson, who's ever there, Jenkins on the inside, someone's got to have a moment in L.A. in front of the great Raider fans of Los Angeles and stand up and point to the upper deck and take someone out. Not talking about an injury. I'm talking about making sure that player goes to the sideline because he was hit so bleeping hard by a Raider. Not concussed, not broken leg. Don't take this out of content. I want to see someone do something that Matt Millen, Otis Sistrunk, Jack Tatum, George Atkinson, Mike Haynes, all the great Raiders were able to do back in the day. Ben Davidson, Ten Hedricks, all the people that we've interviewed on this show, those who are alive and could pick up a phone. This is a moment in this season where the physical play has to show up. The Los Angeles Raiders were one of the most notorious football gangs in NFL history. You were scared to death to play the L.A. Raiders because you just felt it. They had guys like Rod Martin and Matt Millen and Howie Long and Matus. Whoever was there was going to beat you down. And that's now the thing that has to change from week three to week four. Not saying how I want to see people get hurt and taken off in stretchers, but this has got to be the game where Max has got to connect with people in the locker room. I saw Max yesterday. Brief conversation again. We see each other the same time every week. And Max has got to lead them out of the locker room And the message has got to be pain. They've got to be physical football players to take back this season. I don't see any other way to do it. They're not the best football team in this league, but they have the right to play harder and more physical and more angry and more violent as every other team in the league. I have not seen that. I have not seen that, and we need to see it. And I hope we see it in Los Angeles in front of the home crowd of the Raider fans in L.A. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show. 
brought to you by Michael E. Minden at the Fashion Show Mall. Better quality and lower prices. All right, Danny, thanks for helping out today. This is uh, your day with me every week. I look forward to it. Appreciate it very much. Thanks to all of our proud partners. A couple of more I want to make, mention. M-Ride. M-Ride. The people who took M-Ride to the game and came back said it was brilliant to me. Great job for those who are in M-Ride. Teo Johnson's company with his friends. Fantastic. Really want to give a shout-out to M-Ride and the crew there for doing an unbelievable job. Michael E. Minden, our Diamond Jewelers. Raisin Canes, the best chicken fingers in town. The Box Combo, often picked up for my sons after the show. And we want to thank everybody who does such a good job. And I mean a great job at Boyd Gaming as their local, local, local with the Raiders now. Great place to watch all their properties here in town. Thanks again to Boyd Gaming, one of the new, new proud partners of our show. So tomorrow... Here's what's going to happen. Tomorrow's kind of like my middle of the week, take a breath. Just do the radio show. We don't have a podcast with the Raiders. I interview the coach every Thursday. We'll do that on Thursday, and then we'll gear up for the weekend. Tomorrow's a big day because we're going to find out if Jimmy G's back in the building, in protocol, or coming out of protocol. Remember last week we got the news that Devontae was in protocol quickly and out. He was cleared to go, and Jacoby Myers was good to go. We really need to cross our fingers on Jimmy. Because Jimmy could win this game, and he's due for a bounce-back game. The only way he could play in the game is if he's cleared. If he's not cleared on Wednesday, he could be cleared on Thursday or Friday. I'll disagree with others when I say this. If he doesn't, he doesn't need to practice. I don't need to hear that. All Jimmy does is need to be cleared. If he gets cleared at any point, he doesn't need practice. He's been practicing his whole life. He's a system quarterback, and this is the system. If it turns out he just can't go and they know that early in the week and that he's just not going to go, then we get into this Aiden O'Connell-Hoyer debate, which I'd rather not get into. I'm really optimistic. I don't know anything, and I'm not predicting anything, but I'd like to see Jimmy get through protocol because I like Jimmy. I want him to be healthy. I want his brain to be healthy, and I want him to play football. But we're not going to know until we see him out there at practice or not tomorrow. Q's got a big show. Saw him today. Raiders roundtable is out. Lincoln Kennedy was amazing. We'll play a portion of that later in the week. Have a great day, everybody.